Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. How are y'all doing? Oh. End of day one. How many of you, is this your first GateCon? All right. Sweet. You digging it so far? All right. Mr. Remington Phillips, where are you, sir? Come on out of sg1props.com. There he is. Wow. Give him a hand, Hello. everyone. Oh, okay. So I guess we're going to have to go and like, get it one at a time? Or? Yeah. yeah okay. we're gonna... you, need, you need a microphone so that the people online can hear you? And Hello. the people who can't hear so well can hear you? So what is this? Uh, well, what we're looking at here is a replica of uh, one of the famous uh, Stargate props from SG-1 called the uh, Karakesh, or the ribbon device. Uh, this is a, a kind of a redesign of what was in the original movie. When they uh, spun off the TV series, they wanted to keep some, you know, original stuff from the movie and, and reimagine some other stuff. So this is one of those reimagined props that uh, we got uh, in the series. And it, for me as well, it also happens to be the first thing that I tried replicating when I first got into props. This is a long time ago, about 20 years. So I've, I've designed a lot of these over the years. Uh, and this, does this one light up? This one does not light up. Oh, okay. And it's really just because I didn't have time to put the light bulb in. <laughs> is this a newer build? <clears throat> yes. Okay. This one is uh, the latest one I built. Uh, I put this one together for the convention because we wanted to put something in the charity auction. So this one is actually something that you could take home. A lot of what we're showing you can take home at the, the charity auction, which is, I believe, tomorrow evening, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so, you're correct. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so. so just a, a, you know, a brief uh, yes, please. You know, history of, of like how I approach something like this and, and you know, why I originally got interested in it and uh, how the process works. You know, this prop, it's, you know, it's pretty complex, even though it's, it's relatively small. There's a lot going on with this prop. And, you know, when I first got interested in, in Stargate props and, and costuming, it, it was, you know, a few years into the show, so very early 2000s. And, you know, a lot of people were putting together costumes. They were trying to replicate the military jackets, the technology props, things like this. So people started asking me, you know, hey, can you help, you know, can you put this together for me? So this was, uh, you know, originally a commission for me. A friend of mine wanted to cosplay as a, as a gold and wanted a ribbon device. So, okay, I say, I'm going to start trying to figure out how to put this thing together. And that started me on uh, a long journey of uh, building props, um, trying to figure out how these things are designed and made, uh, and really getting into all kinds of neat fabrication as a result of it. So this one is, is made from uh, resin components that I originally sculpted out of uh, clay and made molds of, made resin casts. Uh, I put electronics in these with uh, fingertip controls, just not on this one. Um, and uh, I'm actually redesigning this prop right here uh, now because uh, with 3D printers and laser scanners and laser cutters and things like that, I'm able to get better results. So, with under this normal prop, circumstances, how would that light up? Would you stretch 
Yeah, and under, the contact of stretching would activate the light. Well, there's a yeah, there's there's a lot of ways you could do it, but uh, what you're describing is kind of what I did. What I actually did is I put a magnetic switch in one of the finger caps, so you could actually control it by moving your fingers apart. So it's kind of neat. Uh, I'm I'm looking at other ways I can I can redesign that. How did they do it in the show? In the show, you've, was a, you've inspected some of the ones from the show, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I've actually got uh, uh, one of the uh, show-made uh, ribbon devices in my shop, and I'm using that one uh, instead of my sculpts to rebuild this. And what they did on the original prop is they used a radio controller. A lot of the stuff was actually radio controlled, so it wasn't controlled by the actors, but it was controlled by you know a stagehand who would be in charge of you know lighting up the prop or causing a sound effect to take place. A sound effect during production. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Okay. Some 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 props had had uh, built-in sound. And I didn't think some of the props on set. I would never have thought. I never sold a prop with an on, with a sound built into it. Interesting. Ah, okay. Well. <laughs> That's we we cool. got to find you those. Absolutely. So, you so the hand device is how you got into prop making. Yes, this was uh, this was kind of my first passion project, and it's always always been something I've come back to, even though I've designed dozens and dozens of other props and worked on a lot of projects, and I continue to do that. We'll take a look at a few of them, but this one's uh, just special to me because, like I said, it was the first one I did, uh, and it's prop popular. A lot of people love them, so I'm I'm always getting requests from. Well, if you're a people. Gould, then yeah, it makes sense. A lot so, of gold out there. Absolutely, especially at the convention. I saw a replicator humanoid walking around somewhere but it'd be interesting for her to have one start spitting out blocks wouldn't that be cool so we actually designed uh, a, a silver ribbon device with a blue light up crystal Ooh. and we just kind of put together you know put it together for fun but the the uh, theme behind it was that it was the ancients they had originally made the ribbon devices as some kind of building device that could you know change molecular structures and create things and then the Gold turned into a weapon. That's well, I, somewhere, yeah. How far down the rabbit hole do you go with the technology? That was the question. Where did the gold get it from? So it was either ancients or someone else, for sure. And the crystal technology has always been the same. Where's your GDO? GDO is uh, behind stage and coming up right are, are now. Are we calling? Are we? Are We're they calling. serving them to us? We're, they're serving us one pop. piece at a time. Look at this. The lovely Nicole. Give an applause to Nicole, please. Give a hand to Nicole. She's the props assistant. Thank you. Sweet. And now that's for sale tomorrow night at the auction. The ring. Yes. Yes. So can, can, you, can we leave these out here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thank you. I want to play. Thank you. Sure. No, over here. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, both of thank these you. props are going to be in the uh, Make-A-Wish charity auction. Uh, this one uh, does have uh, electronics in it. So it lights up. This is a replica of the garage door opener that all the team members would you know, wear. We, we didn't always see it, but it was always presumed to be on um, use. every team member's uh, sleeve you know, under the jacket. Uh, this particular prop, uh, the reason I got into this one was that uh, I had an opportunity to purchase uh, the original mold from MGM of this prop. Uh, so I uh, reverse engineered the prop from that mold in order to make it uh, uh, fully functional with electronics and uh, 
all the original you know, screws and keypads and things like that. So it's very accurate to what's on screen and makes a, a fun a display piece. Does the spinning thing on the end spin? Spinning thing does not spin. Oh, boo. Um, but I might be potentially uh, redesigning this as a 3D model uh, oh, okay. in conjunction with uh, a friend of mine. So do you have batteries in there, or does one of those ports charge it? So the way that this works is that the uh, fake uh, port at the end can be pulled out, and it's a USB port. <laughs> you can charge it from any, any cell phone charger. So this is, may I see? So this is also for sale in the auction tomorrow? Yeah, this one will be in the auction. And I don't break it. If, if David doesn't break it. Uh, the electronics in this prop are actually electroluminescent sheeting. So it's actually paper that lights up. So it's kind of nifty. Uh, so it's micro USB, if anyone was wanting to know. It's not USB-C or that crappy older USB. So It's, it's the good USB. It's the, I like USB-C. USB Jury's out on good. that, my friend. Yeah. Look at this. The only thing you can't do is is actually punch in numbers and send an iris code. But so, it does. I mean, there's a depression, or will that eventually break them too? Uh, you can you can press the buttons, but okay. I'm I'm just saying don't rely on it if oh. you're going through the Stargate because <laughs> they they're not going to open the door. I'm curious in, into the the in-universe thought process behind it. Um, is it your opinion that SGC would send a signal back saying that the iris was open before they would proceed, or they just blindly proceed? Uh, I, I think you'd have to get some kind of two-way confirmation. You'd have to. Because Daniel says, with Braytac coming through at one point, well, he's an ally, and if we don't open up, he's going to... So. We, we never heard of an SG team going splat. Yeah. Well, I hope not. So it just stretched out really thinly in a black hole, but other than that, so... That Absolutely. is exceptionally cool. And so this one's also going to be uh, going up on the auction block? This one's in the auction block. Uh, if we get the uh, Zat gun brought out, uh, then we can take a look at, at wow. another prop that'll be in the charity auction. How many pieces are you auctioning off? We're auctioning off a few. Thank oh you. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this is just your standard uh, resin Zat gun. position. Uh, this one, uh, I owe all the credit for this prop to my, my buddy in France, uh, Julian, uh, of Atlante Props. Uh, he actually has one of the original uh, Zach guns and took the time to make a mold of it, uh, rework it, fix all the flaws, because this stuff gets so beat up on set. You know, by the time those original props leave, and David can attest to this as he handled almost everything from the series, uh, a lot of stuff didn't really make it off the set in pristine condition. So this that was actually completely reconditioned, uh, remastered, as we call it, in prop making. And uh, uh, now I actually have uh, a mold for this prop, as well as Julian. So whether you're, let's say, in the United States or Canada or Europe, you can order a prop like this and not have to have it shipped halfway across the world. You want to talk about the originals, how they were how uh, they were air charged. So yeah. the purple end is, there was a hole. Yeah, so the original uh, uh, Zach gun, uh, probably even before they made the solid plastic ones or the solid resin ones, uh, were pneumatic. So they were air powered, and they would have a airport at the bottom of the Zat, and it would run a, you know, through a, a hose, essentially. And up the actor's sleeve. Yep, up the actor's sleeve. And uh, you know, when actuated, pneumatic air pressure would cause it to pop straight up. 
uh, very uh, you know finicky technology, but they they use that same technology for the Zac guns and for the staff weapons. Mm -hmm. So the original, well, actually in the movie, uh, in the feature film, uh, the Zac the uh, staff weapons were uh, uh, had some actual you know pyrotechnic charges in them. Wow, because I knew they they blew smoke. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then for the series, they just made them air-powered. And but by the end, they were battery-powered. Exactly. So by the end of the series, um, MGM had paid to have the ZAT guns and the staff weapons all uh, electronic with micro-servos. So tiny miniature robotics inside of these things and armatures that would allow them to open at a press of a button and close at the press of a button. Uh, really, really advanced stuff. I've, I've tinkered a lot with that. What frustrated me about, about the Zat gun, aside from the story problems that they caused, was the, um, the cobra head would, here, would strike, but the visual effects would, would obscure it. You couldn't see it do that. And if you're looking really closely, in some cases, you'll see it, you'll see it stretch and come back. Um, but the visual effect was, was obscuring that effect so often that you just, you just couldn't see that magic happen. Very true, and, and I think part of the reason for that was that uh, they were very finicky on set and they didn't always work, and right. certain actors apparently would drop them regularly. <laughs> I can't imagine which one would do that. And, uh, <laughs> and the props was constantly fixing these things. So, uh, you know, the gentleman who uh, originally designed all this stuff, uh, I've had a lot of great conversations with him, and. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll tell stories about how frustrating it was, and it was basically like at the end of the shooting, they'd be handing him back the props, saying, here, fix this. <laughs> <laughs> the Wraith over-the-shoulder cannons, like, what would you call Wraith blasters from Rising? Yes. Uh, they had a light on the end of it, and visual effects hated that light because they didn't want the actors to, especially when the actors aren't like reacting to a to a release of of the energy they didn't want the actors to have the ability to control when the weapon fired and so they would have to often paint out the firing of the yellow at the end of the the bulb at the end of the wraith blaster so that they could shoot it in the edit room at the moments that it needed to be shot. So a lot of times, what you see as movie magic is them painting away stuff that you're not supposed to know is there, and if they do their job right, it looks like they never even touched it. And, you know, it's, it's worth uh, mentioning just how intricate and well-designed these props were. You know, as David said, it's small details like a, an LED light uh, at the end of a, of a weapon prop or uh, take the Naquita generators, for example, from SG-1 in Atlantis. Uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to uh, inspect that prop and actually completely disassemble and reassemble that prop. And, I mean, you're talking about individual pieces that were all machined from aluminum. Probably something that if, if you wanted to actually make it yourself, then, you know, conceivably MGM would have paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to have a in machine shop. yeah. Yeah. And these props get better as we go along. Trust me on this one. So what else do we have? Uh, well, the other uh, next two props are Atlantis props, uh, a replicator pistol and a, a turtle brooch. Uh, those would be brought <laughs> the out The ancient for shield us. generator? Yeah. Ancient personal shield? Nicole, meet you at door number one. 
So these two props are uh, current uh, R&D. Uh, so these are oh production gosh. prototypes that uh, we recently completed. Uh, I, I have the metal one. So this is like, this is like a, a freaky moment for me. So, wow, this is great. So are you gonna have, is this one gonna light? Absolutely. So uh, this is this is just you know the first generation prototype. Like does this come on up off like the other one does? Yeah. Well, it's glued okay. on. I'll leave it on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, the current stage of a project like this is every part of the original prop was was molded and designed. Yeah. They they it was uh, water cut um, aluminum. Right. Yeah. And they they used they used uh, water to actually cut the metal. Yeah, so if you know if you don't know a lot about manufacturing techniques, water jet cutting of, of metal is ex extremely uh, uh, advanced and very effective. So a prop like this, uh, you know, they could have done it a lot of different ways, uh, and they decided to make it actually out of a you know solid piece of aluminum and, and mill each of these pieces individually. Now, for you know someone like me and certainly the fan community, you know that could be you know. Uh, quite an undertaking and probably reverse engineer well it, you know it could be done I mean I've I've walked into uh, machine shops who you know I've talked about various props with and they're like yeah we could water jet that but it'll be twenty thousand dollars yeah <clears throat> but this is Atlantis we're talking about so I mean like the oversight committee in Washington gave Atlantis all the money anyway so you know absolutely so. So you know, this is you know where where a prop like this would go. You know, as a as someone who's replicating this, pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> you know, the next the next things that I'm doing, you know, are designing the electronics. So I have the original electro, the original electronics from this prop, and I've been able to study you know what they did in order to originally light it up, and, and I I would you know aspire to light it up in a in a way that's true to the original. They did. Uh, metal ones and I did stunt ones, and um, the the rubber stunt ones are a fraction as cool as the metal ones are. These holes here are where magnets would go, so it would literally lock into place and lower it here. And then here's the obviously the trigger, but they would hide a a, a switch, a tiny switch here that would make this light up and make the letters light up as well. And it is simply one of the coolest pieces that I own. Period. Um, this was these were made for season three of Atlantis, so they were well into uh, production on Stargate. And at that time, they could afford things like, you know, water cutters, and it it showed in the production for something that doesn't really get seen on screen except for a couple of beats when the puddle jumpers knocking humanoid replicators over like bowling pins. Yeah, sometimes you have to really uh, respect. Uh, how much work went into a simple prop that barely got any screen time. Again, we're talking about something that was, you know, designed on a computer and eventually fed into machines and, and manufactured. And they didn't have to make something this advanced. They could have just, you know, went to Toys R Us, grabbed a, a cheap toy gun and... Like they did for Warmold Stream? Yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, another little prop uh, that is in production. Uh, this is uh, this is a, another prototype. This is the uh, ancient personal shield or, or turtle brooch, according to David Hewlett. According to David Hewlett, um, and David, uh, you're familiar with uh, this am. prop. Did I give you mine? You did. Do you still have mine? I do. I forgot. 
I have no idea what the hell of mine he has, except for the Atlantis logo, so. And maybe like a Wraith gun or something. You better give him back. I, 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 I should probably, so. uh, I should probably so, not have mentioned yeah, this, that I this, still have This that. opens up in the middle, and uh, six uh, little watch batteries make this thing glow like a radioactive reptile. Yeah, so, so. the original prop, uh, like David said, it's run on a whole bunch of watch batteries. Uh, what we're doing uh, as she went props is putting a lithium-ion battery in here and we'll be able mm -hmm. to put as many LEDs in here as we need to make this thing shine and it'll just be rechargeable just like uh, the GDO by plugging it into uh, a USB. They had several different versions of it. The one I own has a button that's the size of a, the head of a pin and it's right here front and center. You'd never even notice it. It's just painted gray. And so as they, as they applied it, if they had a metal piece underneath and a magnet here, they could just press and press to their chest at the same time and have it stay on. There was a manual release one that could release the magnet from behind David as he suddenly realized that he was about to go into danger and didn't want to you know, continue wearing it anymore at the end of hide and seek. Um, and then they had the ones that were used for Richard Kind. Man, this, it's the most unancient-y prop, though. It in itself is cool, but if you look at the production artwork for it, it's not green, it's blue. Yeah. And I, I don't understand what anyone would have thought with green. I guess maybe Puddle Jumper, maybe? But it's very unancient-y. It, yeah, it definitely doesn't fit in the rest of the set, uh, but people seem to love it. I mean, it, yeah. it, it had a great storyline. It was in memorable episodes. And, you know, I always thought it'd be fun to actually design the replica so that it, it truly did switch on uh, using a magnetic switch mm -hmm. as soon as, you know, you put it up to your shirt and you've got uh, a pin or something hidden behind it. Do you have any other pieces to share? I do have other pieces to share. Ah. Uh, whatever, whatever else is on the tray, I'd say, could be Except out. for my stuff, Nicole. I think you have a certain... Um, yeah, leave... A certain SGU item? Leave the SGU item. Oh, not yet. Okay. Aww. Simple, a simple prop. Show, lean it forward. I love the bot. Ooh, I want one. I want me one of them. So, wow. A, Whoa. A nice I little gave, collection. I have an original. From, uh, I did not five-finger discount these or any of the stuff that I have. I'm, I'm noticing I'm saying I have a lot. No, I bought. So it was... I had no money after I left PropWorks. Um, so this, I can't tell the difference between where my original ends and yours begins. Like, I can't tell anymore. You, you've gone so frickin' accurate uh, that it's just mind-blowing, the craftsmanship. Well, you know, and, and part, of, part of what goes into, you know, making that actually happen is the fact that, you know, for a prop like this, you could spend uh, you could spend hours trying to match the original paint and, and characteristics that they used on the on the on the series. Uh, and ultimately, what I had to do for this particular prop and and subsequently a lot of my other projects is actually design my own paints. So I'm actually mixing and creating my own paints in order to create things like this. So this is this is actually automotive paint that is I'm I'm actually mixing in the shop in order to spray on these props. Because nothing, I, I tried dozens of different uh, over-the-shelf products and no paints, mm -hmm. no paints came close to I uh, think the automotive paint me. would be like the, 
the closest. And that that so. was that was where it was at. It was it was in in various uh, automotive pigments that are sold for you know high end automobile mm -hmm. paint jobs, uh, and that's what that's what these are uh, painted with. So wow, uh, very fancy stuff. Uh, just in a in a nice nice. Let's see if I can dial universe. Display Hang on. box. Hang on. Dial universe, but like call universe. Nah, Eli's not on the other end. Okay. You still must David? be in the in the hotel somewhere. I'm still David, but okay. am I David Reed? Could be David Blue. All right. Uh, these, these are some of my favorites. And this this one will be uh, available in the uh, the GateCon auction, so you'll have the opportunity to go over to the uh, uh, sales room. I'll see you there. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I, I've seen some people have already you know put their uh, uh, mark down on on this prop. So you'll have the opportunity to get into a bidding war if you want. Is there a certain um, floating thing left, or is there, do you have other things? I, I think there is a certain is floating thing. Is it Aquino? Aki? No. Wow. Check this out. So you got your hands on the original molds for this guy. It's, I believe, three layers of ball. This one is two layers. This one is two layers. Technically, so it's four pieces. Four yes. separate pieces. One, two, and then on the inside, three, four. And this, this right here would, would probably be uh, the most uh, tricky prop to make resin castings of. Uh, you know, it's like, like David said, it's got four separate pieces because it's, it's, a, it's a hemisphere. So you got, you know, two different segments here that are attached. And there's the inner core of the Kino prop, and then there's the outer uh, shell. And uh, the way that these are made on, on the series is that, you know, it's not a, a hollow, you know, plastic ball with something else inside of it. It's actually clear resin with your encapsulated prop inside of it, which is, which is tricky. And I respect all of the makers out there who uh, do resin encaps encapsulation uh, as, as a profession because it's very tricky to get it right. The, um, the, the props house for Universe, PropWorks did not get the Universe stuff, so it was, it was very sad. Um, I don't think Prop, PropWorks was continuing at that point anyway, but... Um, there was another props house that got all of the SGU stuff, and I bought a few pieces from them, and they weren't um, labeled, in my personal opinion, labeled as well. Um, I, just, I just wish they had a better Stargate fan on site for that. But uh, the Kinos, I wanted one so bad. And the originals went for, because there were three or four heroes, and they, I think, went for like two grand a piece. Um, then the Kino sled came along. And someone got the bright idea to, to grab that thing, which I think he paid like four or $500 for, flipped the thing over and popped all the half hemispheres off the bottom, attached them together, and sold them each for a buttload of money. And that is one of the ones that I own. So I own two hemispheres of the bottom of the Kino, of one, the bottom of the Kino sled. I don't know what happened to the top of it, but uh, that was, uh, on one hand, I'm like, you jerk, don't damage a, a screen-used prop like that. And on the other hand, this is a screen-used element, so. Well, in that respect, you know, that particular prop was made up of lots of, of little props that <laughs> all stood up on their own. So this is just a, a, a really neat piece, and, uh, 
you know, I think from Universe, it's it's probably one of the top two props from that series outside of the long-range communication station that would go along with the stones. Is my piece left back there? Uh, you've got uh, your piece left on the table. I do want to bring my piece out that I brought. Yeah. Nicole, it's, it's a little guy. It makes a chittering sound when it's upset. That sounds about right. Thank you. Thank you. Look at that. Tell me that you cannot hear an image or the music that goes with him. You're all thinking of it right now. Um, before I move on to this, James Robbins. What an incredible designer. We were supposed to have him this weekend, but he's working for, on a new project. The, so many of these, these guys are, are busy as they ever have been. Um, this is a 3D print from uh, 3dtech.pro. They are one of the partners for Dial the Gate. The, uh, has anyone seen the, the, the spider-shaped replicator in the other room? Okay, there's, there's, a, there's a full-size uh, version a replicator in uh, one of the other rooms that someone's mm-hmm. been taking photos. I don't think it's up for sale. Um, it's this. If if three D Tech Pro didn't release that one, uh, they got it from someone who got his files because it's the exact same thing. This is a one half scale version B replicator that was introduced in Enemies in season five, and uh, it is up for sale in the uh, live auction tomorrow night. And the, the feats that I had to go through uh, to get this thing here crossing an entire continent uh, in my hand for like three days, I felt like Elaine with the, the three tenors poster in Seinfeld trying not to get it damaged. So, but uh, we got it here and hopefully it'll go to a, a nice home and I don't know, maybe terrorize someone's grandkids. So keep it away from sensitive electronics. Sensitive, no, exactly, and by no means let it get near another one, because that's how you get more replicators. So and don't feed it or get it wet after, after midnight. Midnight, right? I got that backwards. Well, you what now? What's backwards? You don't want to feed it after oh, midnight. Oh, oh, you mean your analogy? Period. No, you're good. You're good. Now you have something that I have been looking forward to seeing that David Hewlett requested a while ago, and this, this is actually a fulfillment for him. I'm there guessing, unless you pulled like a horrible joke on me and said, oh, David, no, that's, we never had that. We were just kidding. There, there could be something. I, I don't know. Nicole, will have to see if there's anything left behind. Paper bag back there. Paper bag. Oh, someone's been shop, shopping at Rexall. Rexall. I don't know what you can buy at Rexall these days. It's certainly not like a vacuum energy device. Let's see what we found at Rexall. Pardon me. (laughs) So right here we have your new energy source of the future. Let's connect it to Vancouver. Give the people free power. Nah, I don't want our solar system blown up. Yeah, I was going to say, that could be dangerous. (laughs) Rodney with this technology is not a good mix. Wow. My problem with the fan ones that have been released is that they are not properly to scale. Someone has eyeballed them and has made a prop out of them. Um, out of what, what they've seen online, and it's not 
proportioned. It looks great, but I sold the others, and no one, I'm in a, in a rare position to myself be like, it, it's great, but it's not, it's not right. Um, and to have, like, the, the candy glass kind of, um, uh, uh, I guess, smoke kind of texture. To, I mean, it's they're basically like a collection of Jolly Ranchers. Um, it really is true. that kind of a that kind of a look. And then the circuitry is so hard to achieve because it has a certain like like black gooey armus type TNG look in and of itself. And it's just it's just one of the coolest. It was hard to sell them. I wanted to really set one aside for myself, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I was like, these need to, every one of them needs to go to fans. And, um, dude, this has been well worth the wait. So give them a hand. What craftsmanship. My gosh. Thanks, David. So, you know, this, this particular prop, you know, the design process for replicating it is is pretty intense. I, I mean, this, to start with, uh, you know, I do have one of the original props that David sold that he wanted to keep, but he, he you know, he sold. So I do have one of those original props, and so cool. I was able to use that original prop to make a direct copy. So this is... Uh, not only is it, you know, the right proportions, as, as David pointed out, you know, a lot of the replicas have, have not been, but every crystal is, is the same on, on this prop. Uh, every line is the same as, as the original because it's, it's a direct copy of the original. So when you go into production, you're going to be the one that people are going to want to go to if they want an authentic one. For authenticity, absolutely. Um, and again, I mean... I'm. I love. I love the hobby. I love uh, my fellow makers. Everybody who wants to 3D print and design something, I, I will always be the one cheering, uh, cheering you on. Uh, but my my thing is is just getting uh, intense screen accuracy. That's that's my passion. So this particular prop, uh, like I said, it was directly molded off the original, and then uh, we spent uh, probably about. 50 to 60 hours uh, meticulously looking at every single crystal uh, and comparing it to uh, screenshots uh, from the show, making sure that any damage that was incurred during production, you know, we, we fixed it. Clean it up. So it's cleaned up perfectly. Um, I, I can't even tell where the switch is. So I, if, if you want to know, the switch on the, on, the, on the heroes was here between the neck and the lid. So just really tiny black piece. So I, well done, sir. Thank you. I, I extend uh, uh, credit for this project uh, beyond myself to uh, my colleagues and friends, uh, Nicole West, who's been bringing out props, and, uh, and Julian uh, of Atlanti Props, who have both collaborated with me on this project in order to make it happen. So we've been working on this for over a year now. And this, David Hewlett's going to get one of the first ones. And David Hewlett is going to get one of the first ones. Martin McLean, where are you, brother? Come on up here. Bring your goodies. Why are you all the way back there? <laughs> no, him, not you. Oh, no, not you. We talked about I'll take you. a hug, though. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm with her. Hello, Martin McLean. Hello, sir. Martin is responsible for 
a number of the items that are on the dial the gate set. And he goes, like, all in with the clamshell cases. So what, is the, what do you got here? Uh, so there's two things, uh, both for the uh, charity auction tonight. The, the first one, beer, let me just... Beer. My prop. Okay. You want to be the handler? Okay, yes. awesome. Uh, so the first one is... Uh, Stargate, they're both Stargate Atlantis. Uh, they're both uh, 3D printed props that I designed and built myself based on as close as accuracy as I could find uh, to do that. So they both have working electronics uh, in them as well. So the first one is the Atlantean hand scanner. And I think if David turns it on, you'll see there's um, a working display. That's right, David has one as well. Um, I have a, a philosophy now that whatever I make, I just make another one for David because if he, wants, if he wants it, I'll just make it. I'm currently putting his NACWA generator together at the moment, which he'll be very happy about, I think. Uh, and then when you insert this in this proximity base so you can see the ancient um, uh, light, in, light up, the idea being that if you obviously possess the gene, then you, uh, you trigger, it. trigger it off. Um, no, no, not in this one. Slight modification. Okay. So, um, so that one's uh, available tonight uh, for anyone who would like to auction that, and hopefully we can uh, raise some great money for charity yeah. there. He has technical schematics. He has schematics that he has worked through. Yes, there's some of those in there. There's lots of uh, different instructions, so you're looking on how to use it. Uh, there's a couple of different modes in that scanner. The first one is just the normal scan mode, and the second button activates the wraith detection mode. There is a wraith scenario in there where you see all the different lights. You lose, you lose one dot. Yes, so after a while it starts to sort of... How yeah. cool are all the decals on this box? Ancient gene required restricted equipment. Atlantis asset tag. I mean, this is this is what you would imagine they carried the prop in on the show. Uh, so this one is the motion control light up Atlantis door control. So I designed this one. There's, I think there's a button on the back there. Uh, if we just switch that on just there. It'll take a few seconds to... The electronics will detect the light in the room and then eventually it will adjust and you can see the lights come on there. Uh, and there's a magnetic attachment there. You can pull the door off and put it on, uh, on the real one. Um, so like that, a half scale. Yes, yes. I just uh, I originally made it full scale, but it's so big on your yeah, wall it's like, it's like that it's they're yeah huge. they're huge, and so it became sort of a, you know primitive wow. to put on. I, I remember when you were when you were designing your full scale one, and I was so impressed. And this one just being something that could easily be displayed is beautiful. Uh, no, the crystals don't come out. <laughs> the crystals don't come out. The original one I designed had a series of different crystals you could put in and you'd get different lighting effects, but it just became too problematic for people to keep on doing it all the time, so I just changed, changed the design around. And you've got the, the magnetic... Um, yes, uh, yeah, it just uh, clips like on. So much of their stuff was just magnetic, so it was movie magic. You could just pop it off and put it back on. Um, and damn, you guys are artists. Have you met before? No. This is our first time. Remington, pleasure. How are you? I'm nice excited to meet you, to meet you in person, finally. Yeah, likewise. I love your work. Um, there's also there's a, like an Atlantis plaque in there as well for anyone, and there's some blueprints and instructions and, and things like that as well. So there's lots, uh, uh, lots of so things in there. for all the work that you have done, that you've continued to do. He, he just thinks through this, this whole thing um, and gives instructions for all of it. 
Um, the Atlantis blueprints are some of my favorites, and I think uh, GateWorld has... Yeah, yeah, Darren put those online as well. So you can download all the different sizes for free. Just go to GateWorld uh, and search for Atlantis poster and you'll find it. And it's available in different sizes made for your iPads and PCs and, and your Macs and things like that. So you can just download it and use those as you wish. Well, thank you for coming up thank you, and, David. and sharing. And did you make this as well? Yes, so this is just a simple magnetic plaque that you can put on your fridge or anywhere that you want it to be. It's just a 3D rendered version. I think that's aluminum. It may not work on that. Um, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you, sir. I'll, I'll keep these. You may go. Um, but uh, no, it's good. <laughs> All right. Um, guys, I hope you've had a wonderful first day of GateCon and continue to enjoy the rest of the convention. Um, thank you so much for uh, being with us this evening. Big applause to these guys here. Just artists. Absolute artists. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the show so that they're going to convert this whole space into a nice uh, big eatery and uh, enjoy the rest of GateCon. So thank you again, Remington. Thank you, Martin. My name is David Reed. We'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. <laughs>